Thank you, Debbie. And Brian and Ryan, thank you for sharing devotional thoughts, for offering and for communion this morning. God is speaking to us. We started our series last week, Learning to Listen, by saying that very thing, that God is speaking to us and that it is important. No, it is critical for us as followers of Christ to hear God speak to us. And so now we're going to look at some of the specific ways that God speaks to us in our world today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and lift it up. I want to see the Bibles that are present here today. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a pew Bible right in front of you. You can lift that up. Or if you got your phone, I use my phone for my Bible a lot of the times to lift that up too. I want to see the Bibles that we got here today. Now what I want you to do is I want you to repeat after me. This is my Bible. This is God's word. God is speaking to me. Do you believe that here this morning? God speaks to us through his word. In fact, the Bible is the primary way in which God has spoken to us through the ages. It is his word from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 21. It is God's message to us. It's our guide. It's how we know about God. It's how we know details about who he is. The Bible says we can know God from creation, but to know the specifics of who he is and his great love for us, we have to read the word of God. So it is his message to us. It gives us his plan for our lives and his love for us. This is the claim that scripture makes about itself. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That phrase, breathed out by God, maybe your your translation says, God breathed, or maybe it says inspired by God. That's important to know, because when we read the Bible, sometimes we fall into this trap of just thinking, like, it's just a book. It's just a, a book of history. It's just a book of moral teachings. It's just something that is, is good for us to live by. But actually, when we read the Bible, we can be sure that what we're listening to is actually a person. We can be sure that we are actually listening to a person speak to us. Jesus Christ is called the living word of God. And so we have the written word. And we have the living word working together, speaking to us. Too often, we miss out on that. But the Bible, it's a story. It's God's redemptive story. It's the story of his holiness and his love for us. So we need to learn to be able to listen to God speak to us through the Bible. You know, we do this kind of thing naturally. How many of you... Know a person's voice as soon as they say hello on the phone. You know who you're talking to. How many of you, when you get a card or a letter or a text message or an email from someone that you know, a friend, family, a beloved family member, you can hear their voice when you're reading the words on that message? We do that. My parents... They are celebrating today their 40th wedding anniversary. 
And uh, they're not here. They're off on a little trip. But my mom, ever since I was little, has always called me Scotty Boy. Never really liked that. But what I knew, whenever my mom was being playful or silly, she'd be like, Hey, Scotty Boy, what you doing, Scotty Boy? And she will text me that today, 36 years old. She'll still text me, Scotty Boy. And you know what? I still hear her voice in that message. And you know what? That doesn't fade over time when it comes to people that we love. How many of you still have cards or messages or letters from loved ones that maybe you haven't spoken to for a while or maybe they've already passed on? They're already gone to heaven, but you can still hear their voice and what they've written to you. We do that for people that we have a close relationship with. And that is what God intends for us when we read his Bible. When we read the word, it's not just to give us instructions. It's not just to teach us moral codes. It's for us to get to know the person of Jesus Christ. God is speaking to us today through his word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the gift of the Bible. Your word written down and spoken to us. God, may we understand it. May we apply it. And may we live it out. But Lord, may we also come to a growing knowledge of you because of your word. Thank you so much for the gift of the scriptures. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning's message, uh, a lot of the ideas were inspired by a book I've been reading called Discipled by Jesus. And uh, the authors are Hal and Debbie Perkins. And they talk a lot about how even today we can be discipled by a relationship with Jesus Christ, just like he discipled his original disciples 2,000 years ago. So we're going to look at a few things this morning uh, on how we can learn to hear God speak through his word. An approach to scripture that will help us to hear the voice of God. And remember last week we talked about how God speaks. Can he speak through a spoken audible voice? It is possible. He has done that. But most often when we talk about hearing God speak, what we're talking about is that deep conviction or that peace that surpasses understanding. And you get that from reading the word. I don't know how many of you have ever, maybe you've been through a time where you just needed some answers or you were, you were struggling and you open up the word of God and you just begin reading and all of a sudden something speaks to your heart. That's what we're talking about here. God can speak to us through his word. So the three steps we're going to look at this morning. Number one, we need to analyze the scriptures. Now, if you're like me, a lot of times when I was in school and I was given a task to read something, I would read it just to get it done. I would try to, you know, maybe I'd make a plan. I'm going to read 20 pages a night and I'm going to finish this 300 page book over so many days. And I would just read to get it done. And sometimes we kind of set Bible reading plans for ourselves like that. We say, okay, I'm going to read a chapter every day. And so we just focus on reading just to get it done. And I think what we do when we do that is we miss out on the depth of, of God's word for us. So it's important that we are actually studying God's word, not just to finish a chapter or to check something off a list. We need to study so we can understand what these verses mean. Because some of the stuff in here is difficult. 
But God can speak to us in different situations through the words that we read on these pages. So it's important for us to be studying, to understand. And different sections of the Bible will require a different approach. The Bible is actually a collection of writings. And some things are written differently. The book of Genesis reads different than the book of Revelation. You have prose, you have poetry, you have books of history, you have books of prophecy. It's important to understand what it is that you're reading when you open God's word. Also, it's important to note the context. What is the setting that the author is writing to? Who is the author? What is their purpose for writing? Who is the original audience and how would they have understood it? And here's the awesome thing about God's word. You can never get enough of it. It can speak to you constantly. I can read the same verse today that I read a year ago, and it can encourage me and inspire me in a totally different way. God's word is alive. It's breathed out by God. It's inspired by God. And that's the beauty of the Bible. He is constantly teaching us through the scriptures. But there is a danger with this first step. Analyzing the scriptures alone is not enough. There are plenty of people out there that know what the Bible says. I'm sure you could ask most people to quote a verse of scripture, and they'd probably quote John 3.16 or another familiar verse like that. Most people know some of the things the Bible says. There are, in fact, people that actually study in depth. There are scholars that know what the words say, but yet they don't believe in their heart in Jesus Christ. Plenty of professors in colleges. I remember I had a, a professor, uh, my first year in college, I went to the University of Louisville, and I had this, this class on ancient literature. And the guy taught the book of Genesis and the book of Job, but he was not a Christian. In fact, he came at it almost sort of sarcastically, and really I felt like was kind of making fun of the holy word of God. But you ask him about the words, you ask him about the history, you ask him about the authorship, you ask him about the writing, all that stuff, and he knew it. He understood those things, but yet he didn't have faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus encountered some people that were like this. They knew the word of God, but yet they didn't know Jesus Christ. John chapter 5 is going to be our main text we're going to spend some time in here this morning. John chapter 5 Beginning in verse 37, it says this, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, and his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. Jesus is encountering a group of Jews that knew their Old Testament. They knew the word of God that was given to them at that day. But they were upset with Jesus. Why? Because he dared to heal somebody on the Sabbath day. And that was breaking their rules. Not God's law, but their personal rules, their traditions that they had set up. And Jesus told the man that was healed to pick up 
his mat and go home, well, that violated that you could not lift anything. You could not walk a certain number of feet. You could not do work on the Sabbath day. So Jesus was a sinner, according to them. Jesus was violating the law of God. He was breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus tells them, you study the scriptures. Because you think that by merely knowing them, understanding the words, that you have eternal life. But you're missing out. See, it's possible for us to know God's word and still miss Jesus. And that is a danger for each of us. To know the Bible but miss Jesus. These Jewish followers should have had everything prepared for them to accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. But because they were so caught up in their pride and their knowledge and their traditions and their application of Scripture, which in fact was not the true meaning of Scripture, they missed out on who Jesus was. They were angry because he had broken their rules, not God's law. These very scriptures that they hoped would save them actually were condemning them because they missed out on Jesus. So how does this happen? How do we do this today? Well, it all depends on how we approach scripture. If you approach scripture just like it's a history book or it's some book of moral codes or some sort of uh, facts about history and you just study it to have head knowledge. You're going to mess out on who God is. Some people approach the Bible in kind of a mystical way. Like, there was a book a few years back called the Bible Code and the Omega Code. and They said there was like a secret code in the scriptures. That if you lined up all the words, they, they, they matched up with letters and, and numbers. And the numbers actually decoded history. And you could find Hitler and you could find... You know, our current day situations, you can find all these things in the Bible if you just had the code. Modern day events, you want to know about the future? There's a code in there that you just have to decipher. And when you approach the Bible in that kind of way, you miss out on who Jesus is. Some people just look at it for knowledge. They just want to be inspired which is good. We should look to the Bible for knowledge and inspiration. But we can't stop there. We can't just know facts about God. If you can recite the Ten Commandments, that's awesome. But we can't just stop in reciting the Ten Commandments. We have to understand what they mean, how they point us to God, and how we need to be in relationship with Him. The sad truth is, many people... Know the Bible, but don't know its author. A.W. Tozer wrote in his letter, in his book, The Pursuit of God, he said this, The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that they might delight in his presence 
and might taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of their hearts. The Bible is God's message. It's his word. But we don't worship the Bible. We worship God. And the Bible points us to him. So in order for us to know God, we need to understand what it is that we're reading. We analyze it, but now we can categorize it. Categorize the message. There are different things that you read in Bible, and they fit into different categories. And here's several categories that I'm going to list to you. There's a lot of blanks to fill in, so we'll leave it up there on the screen for just a few minutes. The Bible contains truth to believe. There are things about God that we are revealed in Scripture. There are things about us that He teaches us. There are things that we would not know outside of God's Word that we are to believe. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You have to believe that in order to be a Christian, in order to be saved. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We were dead in our sins. But by Jesus Christ, we can be made alive. These are truths that we are to believe. The Bible also has promises that we can claim. Jesus said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Promises for us to claim. Commands for us to obey. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. Commands to obey. Examples to follow. We have scriptures that show us how people should live. The book of Acts is full of them. If you want to look at how the, the New Testament church operated, read through the book of Acts. If you want to look at how you respond when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, look through the book of Acts. That's what we use as our guide here today. Errors to avoid. This is one of the great things about the Bible. The Bible tells the stories of sinful, flawed people. David was a man after God's own heart, but yet he committed awful, awful sins. Paul was the greatest missionary ever to live, but he spent the first few decades of his life persecuting Christ. There are flawed people in here. And there are mistakes that we can learn from. Errors that we can avoid. Warnings to heed. The book of the prophets give lots of warnings for the people to follow. Conditions to meet. In order to be saved, you must first believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You must repent of your sins. You must confess Him as your Lord and Savior. And you must be baptized into eternal life. Death, burial, and resurrection. These are conditions to be met. Prayers to pray. Those of you who are here on Sunday night last week, uh, I've talked about, I've been going through the book of Psalms this summer. And Psalms is a wonderful place to start if you're looking to learn how to pray. Make the passages of the Psalms your personal prayer to God. Prayers that we can pray. And that last one, facts with no obvious significance. There's a lot of scriptures that just go over my head. I'll be honest. 
I do not understand everything that's in there. And there is not a person alive who can say that. In fact, the apostles in the New Testament couldn't say it either, that they understood everything. They constantly were asking Jesus to explain things. They constantly were getting things wrong. And there are facts in there that just seem like, why? Why is that in there? The, the book of Leviticus. There is a reason that the book of Leviticus is in the Bible. But it's also been called the book that killed every Bible reading plan. If you've ever said, I'm going to start from Genesis and I'm going to read through the Bible, and you get into Leviticus, it takes some endurance to get through it. And, but it's important that it's in there. Why? Because it talks about God's holiness. It talks about how he related to the ancient people of Israel. It points us to the need of a savior. But there are things you read in there. There are genealogies and things that to me or to us today, I don't really understand why it's there. But God has a reason for it to be in there. I think last week I shared the story. I had a co-worker who told me that she was reading in the book of Habakkuk that God came from Teman. And that what that meant was is that Teman was this planet, another solar system that God was born on and he came to earth. And I was just like, I'm not really sure what Teman is, but I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Well, you know what? Not long after I had that conversation, I was reading one of those boring genealogies in the Old Testament. And you know what I found out? Teman was a grandson of Esau, brother of Jacob. And he created, he built his own city. And so when it talks about the Lord coming from Teman, it's not talking about some distant planet in another solar system. It's saying that God's judgment came from one of the neighboring cities that was around them. But I wouldn't have known that, and I probably wouldn't even have picked up on it reading the scripture if I hadn't had, understood, hadn't had that conversation with my coworker before then. So there are things that you read that you just, I don't know why it's in there, but it is, and God has a reason for it. And it might show up in different ways for you later on. So it's important to know. So when you're reading it, it's good to just categorize that. Keep this list, keep this bulletin in your Bible, and as you're reading, say, okay, what am I reading? Is it a truth to believe, a promise to claim, a command to obey, an example to follow, an error to avoid, a warning to heed, a condition to meet, a prayer to pray, or is it a fact that I just don't really see why it's there? But when you do that, it helps you understand what you're reading, and it helps you go to step three. Step three is to personalize the application. How does what I'm reading apply to my life? How does it change me? How am I different because of what I've read? How can I learn from the example of Scripture? This is where our hearts meet with the heart of God. Is in that application. Personalize it. God is speaking to you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God is not a dead book that was written 2,000 years ago. It is alive and can transform lives today. 
That's what we believe. That's why we preach it. That's why we proclaim the gospel. That this is the power of salvation. And wherever you are today, whether you've been a Christian for decades and decades, or whether you're struggling to make that decision right now, God can speak to you through his word. We need the word of God. We need to let it transform us, convict us, influence our thoughts, guide our actions, draw us closer to Jesus. And we do all of that by learning to listen to God's word. But this can be a challenge starting out. You might say, well, I've never really heard God speak through his word like you're talking about. You know, that, that's, that's a new idea for me. It's different. I'm not really sure what that means. Well, there's some ways that we can develop our hearing ears. It's important that we learn to develop our listening ears. Three things we're going to look at for that, and this will be quick. Number one, we need to study with someone so we can learn. Jesus, when he called his disciples, he didn't just say, all right, come here, I'm going to tell you some good things. Now you go off and you go do it. Now it said that Jesus called them so that they would be with him and he would prepare them. And Jesus spent three and a half years every day with his disciples, mentoring them and helping them understand and preparing them for ministry. So starting out, it is vital it is vital that we find someone to study the Word of God with. Whether that's one person or whether that's a small group of people, find someone who might be a little bit more mature, might have a little bit better understanding, and study with them. That's why small groups are important. That's why Sunday schools are important. That's why coming to have coffee with someone and just opening the Word together is important. We can get a lot from attending a main worship service on Sunday morning, but that intimate knowledge and application, that comes from studying with someone else and having them teach you how to apply the scriptures. Which then leads to the second thing, is that we need to develop the habit of listening privately. Too often we get to where the only time we hear through God is whether we go to church or where we have a mountaintop experience or a spiritual high, and we just wait for those times. But we can learn to hear from God every single day. That, 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 that phrase, develop the habit, is so important. It needs to be a habit, hearing from the voice of God. Small groups, Sunday schools, coffee with a friend, going over God's word, those are all wonderful things. But if we're not careful, we can act like that's the only way God can ever speak to us. God can speak to you today through his word. And ultimately, you are responsible to listening to him. And the third thing that we can do is we can teach others to do the same. It's an ongoing process. Disciples make disciples who make disciples. And that's what our mission is. Not that we've ever arrived and, oh, I've got all the knowledge I need. No, no. We are still learning from others, and we are teaching others to learn as well. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Once you've learned to listen and to grow in your own walk, you can invest in others. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each person has received a gift, so use it to serve one another as good stewards 
of God's varied grace. I love that last phrase. Good stewards of God's varied grace. What does that mean? Is that God has given us grace in numerous ways. And you've received grace from him in a way that is personal to you, that you can apply to someone else and you can help them to see God's grace in their lives too. And this is because God's word is living and active. It never stops working. You can always find new application and you can always continue to grow and it will always change lives because God has a lot to say. God's message doesn't just end with John 3.16. It begins there. God loves us. And he wants to speak into every situation of our lives. And that's why the Bible is so big, honestly. I mean, you look at it, this is, you know, this is kind of a small print Bible, but it's 66 books written by some 40 authors over at least 1,500 years. And God has something to speak to us today. You can hear from him. You can grow in your faith. There's one message through this whole scripture. Salvation in Jesus Christ. And that's for eternity, but also for today. So if you need to grow in your faith, remember the words of Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Our goal for you here today is to grow in your faith. Our goal is that whatever you're dealing with, to trust God to speak to it. That you can learn, that you can grow, you can apply his word to your life. Because this isn't just a, good, a, a book of good suggestions. It's not a, a book of good moral codes or a book of history. It is the living word of God that can transform you and me and has the power to save lives because of the message of love that it contains. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that for thousands and thousands of years, the scriptures have changed lives. The scriptures have the power to tear down strongholds of sin, have the power to overcome past hurts and mistakes, have the power to lead us into life everlasting, and they have the power to reveal you to us. So God, I pray that we would see you in the scripture and that we would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but that knowledge would not just end there, that it would be that relationship that leads us every single day. So in Jesus name we pray. Amen.